Hey there, we're those sci-fi guys, and this is that those sci-fi guys show. Just two working dudes with way different jobs, different lives, but a lot of love for science fiction and the fun that comes with. We're your hosts. I'm P.S. McKay, coming to you from a day where I was trying to put up the Christmas lights early, only to find out that Amazon sent me battery-powered lights instead of the plug-in kind, and now it's pointless <laughs> to even have Christmas. <laughs> and I, I'm T.T. Cavman, and I need to go see a doctor, otherwise I won't be able to go downstairs and get the Christmas decorations. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of that point. I'm doing everything I can to avoid using the step stool. <laughs> Let me put it to you this way, my friend. My knee fluctuates in size greater than the discovery. Oh, okay. God. <laughs> That's a lot of fluctuation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, and we have seen the, the season four episode one of Discovery, but we're not going to talk about that today. Um, little, little, little thing first, uh, we're going to, we're, we're going to talk about Ghostbusters and, uh, so massive spoiler alert because it is literally still opening weekend. Yes, literally. Now I I wanted to dig in because uh, is this the time you're going to be, you're going to be transitioning this, this week. So I'm not, you'll be moving. (laughs) <laughs> transitioning it sounds like you'll be undergoing an operation <laughs> you know when i was getting ready to leave the army they send you through all these you know classes on you know uh making resumes and doing linkedin profiles and all this stuff and they're like in your linkedin profile and on your social media and the little bios you should list yourself as a transitioning service member and i kid you not i literally had a couple of people shoot me a, uh, a message are you sure you want to be saying transitioning and i was like that's <laughs> what they told us to put and i am i'm transitioning but i'm not out yet i'm not a <laughs> i get it's been co-opted <laughs> and you know because we were trying to i guess retiring probably would have been appropriate but again it was also uh i mean now I, i'm then i'm on the same page as anybody who is getting out after four years or mm-hmm. retiring at 30 or whatever so yeah anyway um no i'm super disappointed this weekend because i i we decided to do a different color scheme for our our house for christmas this year so normally it's it's all white like we've got big white lights that we hang on the on the house and then like the the smaller the smaller white lights that we wrap around all the the different bushes and stuff and the trees and the kids have been clamoring for color lights for years and our neighbor does color lights we're like well that's their thing let them have that we have our own style and they're like no we want color lights so i well that's (laughs) I decorated the house last year for Halloween with with lights for the first time. Um, and I did it again this year. And that was really fun. We put orange lights on the house, wrapped some of the bushes in orange, and then wrapped the rest of the trees and stuff in purple what lights. Is this and Halloween? This is for Halloween. This this ah. is for, and and this made me realize, oh, we can do different things uh for Christmas now because there's a lot of flexibility with these LED lights here. So, uh, yeah, we, 
I ordered, I ordered uh, like three red strands, two green strands, and one blue strand. We're going to be putting like big s- blue snowflakes on top of the roof, and um, we're going to be basically color blocking the front. And I put all the red ones up. I put the the, co- the multicolored nets out, and then I begin to go move the green and blue lights out, only to finally have stupid freaking battery packages on them. That are not at all compatible with what I have out already. <sighs> hmm. Amazon just sent me like the wrong, the the wrong brand, and so I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed. Well, it happens, unfortunately. I don't think we're going to be doing as heavy, uh, and I don't do a lot. I usually just do a nice strand of white lights, tasteful lights over the porch. Mm-hmm. And we always, and of course, this is me. You know, we always have candles in the windows at the front of the house. I was thinking course, about the candles in the windows, yeah. We also used to have uh, bows on the lights uh, the, the, on the garage. But we've been getting some, we get some wind here, so that doesn't always <laughs> We've lost a few of them, so. A little, little too aerodynamic. Stick, we might just stick with the wreath on the door and the. And the the candles in the window. I will mm-hmm. say that we uh, we do use um, we decorate inside as well. But again, depending on the the shape of my knees and how long it takes me to be able to do more things, to, you know, impacts with my ability to to do stuff. Because you know I'm you know me I'm I'm heading out. Uh, for a new job before the family can follow, so I'll be mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll be broadcasting from another location. <laughs> so I will be back here for Christmas, which will be nice. Oh, that'll be good. That'll yeah. be good. I'm glad you'll have that flexibility. Me too. Me too. <laughs> Something I yeah uh, talked to my my boss about, so that'll be good. Good. Excellent. So. I know so, you said you're on a finite timeline tonight, so... I have what is called in the radio industry a hard out, so... <laughs> um, Ghostbusters Afterlife. I haven't written anything down about it. Um, I didn't take notes in the theater. First of all, I gotta say this. I freaking miss the theater experience. I missed it. Yeah. I missed it so much. I <laughs> I know what you mean. I took my daughter to a movie this year, this summer, mm-hmm. and I, I have seen, I saw Black Widow, I saw Shang-Chi, mm-hmm. and I saw The Eternals, and now I'm also, and I just saw Ghostbusters, and it's well, just You're been, all caught up. I am. <laughs> uh, I've tried to go to see like the movies during um, when uh, the kids at school and the wife is at work, so I'm not taking time away from them. Right. Yesterday, right. because yesterday my kid went to get her first vaccine shot, mm. but the hospital limits like one person with the child. So, Ugh. since it's the hospital that Mrs. Cathman works at, just best for her to take her. Right. So then I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll go see Ghostbusters. <laughs> and I won't miss out on much. 
And now, has your daughter? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I have a question for you about your daughter. But yes. Go ahead. What about her? Has she gotten into the Ghostbusters series she, at all? She, she didn't seem interested. No. She is into Star Wars. Mm-hmm. She kind of likes some superheroes, but it's like she watched. She liked watching Teen Titans Go. Mm-hmm. And DC superhero girls stuff marketed more towards younger kids. Yeah, she's not heavily into the major superhero movies. Although she does say she wants to see the Wonder Woman movie. I guess Wonder Woman movies now, and <laughs> I think she's just about old enough that I can probably show her. And I still haven't seen Wonder Woman eighty four because I just wasn't in a position to go see him in the theater. Yeah, I have it on. Much. I have it on DVD, and I do want to see it just because. Oh well, it'll be a fun watch for your daughter. I'll say that. Um, hey, you know, I'll say this: uh, whatever ridiculous TV or uh, like television commercial that they're doing, where the guy likes to flip back and forth between <laughs> tennis and something else, and it. Yep. Serena Williams looks pretty damn good in that Wonder Woman. <laughs> I, I'm saying, and if she was to show up as an Amazon warrior in the next Wonder Woman movie, or if she was to be a superhero, I mean, she she looks like she could do it. I've been a big fan of Serena. I think she's she's an eminently talented, or you know. Arguably the greatest female tennis player of all time. And she's, you know, fair, you know, she seems pretty likable, um, you know, and of course she's very pro, uh, you know, she does a lot of things for young kids to, you know, try and be a good, strong role model. Mm -hmm. Uh, And of course, there's also a lot of buzz about King Richard, the movie Will Smith is playing their father. So... That definitely is sounds like it's an Oscar bait movie. Biopics <laughs> and period pieces are always Oscar bait. Which but. is fine, but that's a whole other argument. I you're gonna have me go down an argument about the Oscars that no, <laughs> it's no, only gonna take away time it. from this. We are not so. taking we are not doing it. <laughs> we'll we'll probably dedicate that around Oscar time then. So yeah, we'll uh anyway. Um, but yeah, so Ghostbusters Afterlife, I went to the theater, got a nice bucket of popcorn and, and kickback and, you know, I, I mean, this movie I know had get, been delayed because of the COVID last year. I think it, oh. I think it might have even originally been supposed to come out last year, but it did. It was it was supposed to come out. Like October something, I think it was like it was something where it was really right close Halloween. to it was really close to Halloween. Where it was like, why do it so close to Halloween when you could ride out that whole month, you know? But anyway, it didn't work out anyway. Um, yes, it was delayed because of 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 the virus that shall not be named. Well, um, let, let me say this, um, I. Grew up watching the Ghostbusters, more the the movies. I loved one and two. Mm-hmm. You know, those those were part of our childhood. I did give the reboot a try. Mrs. Cavman is curious. Actually, I took Mrs. Cavman to the 
30th anniversary screening of Ghostbusters back in 2014. Oh, cool. She'd never seen it. She'd actually only ever seen two. Oh, which wow. Which like, but then we went to see it in the theater. And of course, I was like four when the original came out. So I didn't get to see that one in the theater either. But man, it was great. She enjoyed it. So, and the funny thing is, like, we remember the 80s. There was a lot of younger kids who were in in the theater. And I'll say this in Afterlife. I laughed at a lot more jokes than I think a lot of people around me did. (laughs) I know exactly what you're talking about. Because we had a guy sitting next to me, or one seat over, who I reminded me of you because he was laughing at all the other jokes that no one was laughing at. So, <laughs> well, I mean, he had right to laugh. They were funny moments. Don't get me wrong. They were funny but moments. But he was, he was just quicker to laugh than the rest of us. <laughs> the eight-crash marshmallow scene was hilarious. Yes, and, yes. And, of course, we all seen little snippets of it in some of the trailers, but the extended version is hilarious. And <laughs> they're, they, they're kind of like minions. They're just getting into everything. <laughs> yes. Um, or like gremlins or something like that. And, <laughs> and I'm laughing, and I'm like, what? There's like 20 people in this theater. Now, granted, it's a big theater. And yeah. I'm, I would it's go the middle to of the day. On a Saturday of opening weekend. Oh, Saturday, never mind. For a long-awaited movie, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I went at like 12.45. And maybe there were 20 people in a theater that could probably hold a couple hundred. And, yeah, I remember going to see uh, Infinity War and Endgame, and those were stacked, and going to a lot of the other movies that at least were people in my row. But yeah. we, uh, but I know a lot of people are, are kind of leery about coming back to theaters. And and I, I was worried. I you know what I went to see. Okay, I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to talk about my introduction to Ghostbusters, and then we'll talk about the movie. Okay. Right. We're we're putting some structure here, people. Because <laughs> if 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 you don't know what happens when we don't have structure, just go to all, when we went off the rails that episode. I think it was aptly titled number thirteen. Oh, and there's Baby Yoda, Grogu. <laughs> this one uh, goes officially by Baby Yoda. Oh, okay. We do Who's have a Grogu. Different. A different member of the species. Gotcha. Let me put it to you this way. While I was sick, these uh, Yodem, as I like to call. <laughs> Yodem. Because we have multiple. Or were, and with my kid doing distance learning all last year. Mm-hmm. They kind of became comfort for her. Right. So. Good. They, they each have distinct personalities. <laughs> um. I was, we went to the movie theater in August of 2020 when they started opening the theaters up a little bit. And we saw Harry Potter uh, 3. And I sat there with my mask on, right? We had yeah. we had drinks and stuff. and, and you, you take know, it, it was, off when you're eating and drinking, and then when you're done. You, you put your, your mask on, right? But I still had that thought like, oh my God, what if we got it? I'm not going to tell anyone we went to the theater. <laughs> for at least two weeks, right? 
Um, but I'm like, I, but we, we have to live our lives and give some normalcy. And they showed the Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer in that showing for, for Harry Potter, which I thought was great. Um, and that was when little uh, little uh, little Mac, Mac Jr. turned to me. He's like, I want to see that. Um, so, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll see it when we can. Have they um, seen the others? Yes. So here's what's funny good. about Mac Jr. and me. Well, that's good because going to and you probably could have seen this without seeing the originals. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it would have meant as much. No, no. Um, but this is the difference between Mac Jr. and me. When I first saw Ghostbusters, I was probably five, maybe six years old. Yeah, I and. Think so. It destroyed me. I didn't recognize that it was a comedy. I was a very sensitive child. I, <laughs> you know, I, I, I could not take it. I had nightmares for months. Yeah, Same with Gremlins, I, by the way. Gremlins destroyed me, too. I never but liked it, Gremlins. Oh, I couldn't. I, I, I mean, I started seeing Gremlins everywhere. Um, and, and one time in college, which is a whole other story. So yeah. I don't think we have but, time to go into your psychosis, my friend. No, no. But, uh, but Mac Jr. heard about Ghostbusters through YouTube and we have his YouTube account on tight. Uh, you know, it's, it's on lockdown. Uh, I right. give him some liberties. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, well, what's this Ghostbusters all about? It looks like it's funny. And I'm like, all right. And he was six when when he first asked about it. So I'm like, all right, well, let's watch it. We'll watch it during the day. And he loved it. Absolutely loved it. Good. He watched Gremlins. Absolutely loved it. Nothing, no screaming in the middle of the night. No coming to our bedroom, waking us up. Tough I had another nightmare. He <laughs> relishes these things like good. So he conf- and it's funny. He confronts these terrors. Right. And he just does, which I find extremely healthy. And also I'm exceptionally jealous of it. Um, <laughs> so that being said, um, he was excited to see Ghostbusters. Uh, and we did. We did. I bought the first three i bought the reboot and everything and i found the reboot okay um well to me the funniest person in there was i would say tied between kate mckinnon and uh chris hemsworth he was just so damn funny yes yes it it, it was a i mean the thing about it was it was a mindless stupid funny it wasn't. It, was. it wasn't situational, and and I I know I know I'm going to sound There's like a broken record. There's places for that. There's places for that. There are places for that. Um, but the original Ghostbusters wasn't necessarily a comedy, so to speak. It they was called it horror then comedy. The yes, original. it was originally a horror, and it was just everyday dudes trying to start a business. Um. And they became successful in a very crazy industry. Let's just put it that way, right? And and you had some dry wit. You had some situational, you know, situations where you're like um, Ray's talking to Vankman in in the hallway on the radio, 
And Venkman sees Slimer, and Ray goes, he's an ugly little sucker, isn't he? And Venkman's like, uh, I think he can hear you, Ray. <laughs> and that's when Slimer rushes him, and and the, and the next we see Venkman on the ground, struggling to get up, and Ray's he like... He slimed me, Ray. Yeah, he slimed me, Ray. That's great! <laughs> I know. You can save some? Ray... And Egon are gigantic <laughs> nerds, right? Yes. For nerds. <laughs> the occult and everything. Egon is... <laughs> he is the ultimate scientist. Yep. You know, he's, he's, he's almost like Spock. You know? Yeah, yeah. Kind of, but when, that's kind of funny when he loses it with the, the prick from the EPA in the office. Yeah. Your mother! <laughs> just, just, <laughs> kind of went... Yeah. Where some of Egon's humor comes from the fact that it's kind of like Spock, where there's not really humor, right? Right, right. But you've got Bill Murray, who's always going to play a Bill Murray-ish character. And <laughs> to be honest with you, if you rewatch the original, Peter Venkman's a borderline sexual predator at best. Borderline? Uh, how did he have? How did he have Valium with him on a date? Uh, <laughs> so, it just, says doctor oh, in front of his name, but. He's not supposed to have Valium on a date. <laughs> Let's put it to you this way, folks. We do not condone Peter Fankman's dating habits. Oh, my God. <laughs> I do find Bill Murray to be hilarious, but he is a bit of a creep in the first movie. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. But I think they also play up with that. Yes. <laughs> so that being said, we are now back to a, a, a sequel, a direct sequel to the first two. Yes, by the and way, a, and, a spiritual and Jason reboot. Reitman did come back and say, even though there was very little mention of the second movie, they consider it canon. The fact that Ray is back in his occult bookstore from oh sure, episode two is just a direct link to that. But they wanted to make sure that people weren't going, because you know how all of these legacy reboots, like with Halloween, mm-hmm. they're like, eh, let's wipe out like, 12 of these movies and like just do a direct sequel to the original or something like yeah. that. So he's saying they're, they're going back to, you know, be a, there. This is episode three, essentially. Yes. Yes. One, two, three. And so, you know, quick, do you want to do a quick plot synopsis or, or you do we do want to quick, just go into what why we don't like? You do a quick, uh, Ray, why don't you do the, Quick plot. <laughs> That's great. Okay. Anyway, uh, so we have shoot. I forgot her name. We have this woman who's the daughter of. Okay, actually, Callie. opening scene. Callie. Thank you. Um, the whole gist of it. Opening scene. We see what we think is Egon. Is nothing. You only see shadow. Desperately running from this invisible force from from a mountain in the middle of nowhere. He's being attacked. His car gets knocked over. He runs back to his house, and you could tell that he has some kind of trap or something. And just as he sees a force enter his yard, he hits it, and but the thing blows out and doesn't work. So he retreats back into his house, hides, you know, a, a trap of a ghost that he had um, from the mountain, we presume. And then he sits down. And then uh, we still don't see his face, but we presume it's Egon. They did all the markers, like glasses, the kind of hair. <laughs> um, that you'd see some vague profiles, but nothing. 
Right. It was it was well done. It was a yes, well done. Very it was classy. And we'll get to the end in, in a little bit. Um he sits down and then we see smoke coming down the chimney, and you're like, Oh crap. And it's creepy. It was yeah, a creepy it's moment. Like, oh god, is Santa evil? <laughs> And it, it forms into what looked like one of the the gate dogs, but mm-hmm. on two legs, which yes. I, I couldn't really tell if it's supposed to be one of the gate dogs or not. Um, anyway, because uh, we see a statue of it later. Right. That 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 Phoebe was holding. Anyway, um, stands up, then disappears and then it's quiet. And then hands come out of the uh, out of the chair and the EKE, the PKE reader that was going nuts dies out as we presume he dies. And we see the ghost leave and then cut to the PKE meter underneath the, 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 which I thought this was great underneath the, the chair. And it starts to slowly turn on again as mm-hmm. it's detecting something else. Uh, smash cut to. A woman named Callie with two kids. Uh, she gets word that her father died. She had a very bad uh, relationship with him. No he relationship. Abandoned, no relationship. Who abandoned them when she was a child. Um, she has a low opinion of Egon. Uh, they, she, they get evicted out of their apartment. So they head on up to this farmland that he had that was passed down to her because of his death the week prior. Um, and so the kids are trying to, you know, uh, normalize the boy meets a girl while working at a, a the spinners. <laughs> it, it's an old roller diner. Yeah. You know, which it, I love it's, it's a car hop, you know, you drive <laughs> in and there's a car hops on roller skates and kids going up because the town hasn't changed since like the early 1960s. It's no. a dying town in Oklahoma. Yep. Um, and, you know, and Phoebe, the younger, uh, the younger, um, sister, uh, who looks goes to exactly summer school, like Egon. yes, has the glasses, has the same emotional affect, um, Pompadour. <laughs> and, and goes to summer school, befriends her teacher, uh, who's a seismologist They're who they're detecting a bunch of earthquakes, Paul um, Rudd. Paul Rudd, uh, played by Paul Rudd, and Phoebe eventually is, you know, dealing with all these, like, weird things in the house, the PKE meter she finds, and it turns on, and, like, a chest set falls, so she picks it up, puts it down, wakes up, sees that one piece uh, has moved while she was asleep, so she moves another piece, comes back, sees another piece has moved on the other side, um, and then she gets drawn by this force, uh, you know, well, I don't know how much detail it's supposed playing to playing chess with a ghost with a ghost. Right. And it gives us the impression that this ghost is not harmful because uh, it wants to play chess. It wants to get attention. So and it leads her to a secret lab that's underground on the property where she discovers and go down a. Oh, a fire, a fireman's pole. Yeah. <laughs> Just <laughs> Which, like in the original movies. She was awfully quick to go down and not figure out how to get back up. <laughs> it's a movie. <laughs> I, that's all I'm saying. Um, but that's where you find the 
proton packs and the go. Well, she found the ghost trap in another part of the house, but um, she found the combination to get into it. Yep. Um, and then hijinks uh, ensue. Yes, hijinks ensue. They find out that uh, the town was founded by Evo Sh- uh, Zant- Sh- Shandor. Yes. E- Evo Shandor for to mine the, the the selenium that was used to build the building from the first movie in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also find a bottomless pit to hell where we see a bunch of spirits coming up and then a jury rigged a proton pack system that zaps the ghosts to push them back down, which actually causes the earthquakes. Yes. Um, which is what draws paul rudd's character to there he's a seismologist he's trying to figure out why even though there's no underground volcanic activity no fault lines no nothing there shouldn't be earthquakes and it turns out he's a ghostbusters fanboy because we all know paul rudd is a fanboy (laughs) so it's perfect he starts showing the kids by the way and one of and the one friend that uh, phoebe the egon's granddaughter makes is named podcast, podcast. <laughs> and he's this kid who walks around with a with a recording equipment and he creates podcasts and he's i'm not gonna lie i admired the cut of that kid's jib <laughs> oh, the, kid, the kid was walking around. he had i i mean i've seen uh radio men in combat with less radio equipment than that kid had <laughs> and he was like eight so yep. pretty impressive and so <laughs> the teacher shows them the clips of the original movie. Yep. Well, the, the, the Ghostbusters the, the, commercials and commercial and live footage, like news footage of the events and stuff like that. What did they call the event from? Uh, did they say the, the Manhattan, uh, Manhattan cross rip of 1984? No, it wasn't. They didn't say that. They did. It's 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 here. Okay, uh, I missed that. They they called it something else. One of the kids said it was like the Manhattan Ghost Incident or something like that. Yeah, or... they did that, but then Superfan mentions it. So okay. Um. Anyway, hijinks ensue. Of course, we might see uh, Gozer, and the process to get Gozer out is quite interesting. Scary. Right. <laughs> uh, and then um. We'll talk about the end a little bit later. So, what were your immediate thoughts about this? Oh God, I loved it. I really did. I <laughs> thought I thought the opening was really good because after a while, you you, you know, you kind of figured out that it was Egon pretty early. I think if you were a true Ghostbusters fan like you and I, mm-hmm. um, and it was. I thought it was well done. I really thought they 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 took care of it very well. I think they now I've read some of the reviews that said there was mindless fan service. I don't think so. It wasn't loaded with ridiculous Easter eggs just for the sake of Easter eggs. No, uh, there's a way to do that and have it mean right. something. Right. And that's what it was. There wasn't just like, oh, well, there, there's something in the background. And that's it. I didn't think it was. I thought it wasn't fan servicey. It was a true homage. So yeah, they mentioned things, and of course you get the exposition dump when after the kids 
attempt their first attempt of ghost busting, including, by the way, and which is a great scene. The older brother is a little bit of a mechanical savant, and he was able to put together. Mm-hmm. Re, he finds the Ecto one and and rebuilds it. He's he's a motorhead. He rebuilds the engine, <laughs> and he gets it. And they're driving around. And by the way, one of the things now, I didn't have it, but I remember seeing the play, the 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 real Ghostbusters, you know, the the TV show. Yeah, and they they would sell all the toys because the show was pretty popular. Oh, I loved it. I watched it all the time. But they had the the gunner's door from the from the gunner's the, seat, yeah, from from the cartoon and from the the toys, and they actually used that. You never see all you see really is Ecto one driving around you and them pulling shit out of the back. You don't right. see all the the Ecto one was never actually used other than to get from point A to point B, but it wasn't a scene, right? right. Uh, you know, like they did in this movie. In this movie, <laughs> you get the, the 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 gunner's door that pops out with the proton pack. You have a drone. Uh, you have a um, a, dr- a drone uh, ghost uh, trap. Drone uh, wheeled ghost trap that you can control with an RC and. It drops out while the it can drop out and pick up while the there's a trap door in the bottom and they drop this this uh, drone rover that goes out and they're able to catch a ghost Muncher, which is the the successor (laughs) to um, Slimer. Slimer. He kind of looks a little bit like a like a caterpillar. (laughs) He did. He looked like he looked like a caterpillar. Uh, a little. What but a little you think of? What did you think of Muncher? Because I, I'm glad I, I didn't him... rehash Slimer too much. You know, no. I I think this was a good way for them to, you know, do the homage without just rehashing everything. Okay. I I will say this. So we're introduced to. Oh, are we introduced? No. Okay. Huh. I'm just realizing this. So the ghost activity, you know, aside from the ghost activity we see in the the farmhouse with Mm -hmm. Phoebe, the ghost activity doesn't really start until they open up the ghost trap. Yes, they do accidentally open the ghost trap. No, they they fully intended on opening it. (laughs) Right. They do. But they're not trying to release spirits and cause problems. They're just... Super nerds, and yes, they accidentally with, released with Paul Rudd's help. With Paul Rudd's help, yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of funny because he's really kind of a. They're in summer school. He doesn't want to be there. They don't want to be there. The only reason why he gets involved with Phoebe and podcast is because they're showing interest in things like the seismology and, and ghosts and stuff like that. Because and he's a yeah, and he's a, a fanboy of of the Ghostbusters, and he likes the the ghost trap and everything. But I I found it funny that Mac, Mac Jr. was sitting there going, don't open it. Why would you open it? Why would you do that? He's like yelling it out in the theater. But it's like every horror movie. (laughs) Don't open that door. Don't go into the basement. (laughs) You you don't know. And I'm hoping that it's the, the ghost that we later learned was Muncher. But nope, it's that devil dog. Once right, more, which is but, why Gon took it so that you can't, you can't, um, Gozer can't come forward without having both the gatekeeper bo- and the and, and the Zool. Yeah, they they can't 
they yeah you're right they can't do you can't it's kind of like you can't fire the nuclear missile on a submarine without turning both keys right so right so that's why egon snags one to make sure that well i think his original plan was to lure gozer to the house and zap it but the machinery doesn't work right so but as but it long, wasn't it wasn't gozer though it was the other devil dog right well my point is you know you bring one you get the other then gozer can't take form it's kind of like right you control you keep the ring away from mordor and sauron can't take mortal form right right so. <laughs> wow that 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 was a hell of a geek thing <laughs> a, you you went there um but you're right and so i think yeah the whole point was to him was was for him to prevent the the gate master and the i'm sorry the gatekeeper and the key master from being able to possess other people um i'm the gate so, master you the key master <laughs> I, but I, I did I hear do. I do wish Rick Moranis had, had been in there. They had everybody else, but I do wish Rick had been there. But I know he's he's retired, so I respect that. Semi-retired, mostly retired, but yeah. There's always hope to see him again. Because um, he's, never, he's never sworn it all off. Um, but anyway, so it was upon the release of the Devil Dog, and who goes back to the mine uh, that Shandor owned, and we start seeing Muncher, and Muncher comes off as menacing and cute all at the same time. Well, like, kind of like Slimer was. I mean, he wasn't a fatal kind of thing, but no. he was aggressive. He was aggressive, and it he also a lot was of manipulative. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, well, with him at the, the fire hydrant <laughs> and giving yeah. the look like, oh. And then he turns on the water. <laughs> it blasts. Right. Blasts well, them. Without so. Muncher's help, honestly, they don't save the day because they had to release him from the trap in order to get all of their gear. Because the, the kids get arrested driving without a license and blowing yeah. up part downtown. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're chasing after them. Muncher. Right. <laughs> so the kids get arrested and then they break in. Well, they go back to the jail when. You know, everything's starting to blow up because finally, you know, uh, their mom, Callie, and then the history teacher or the, uh, the the science teacher, Gary, they both get possessed by the spirits of the devil dogs. And, of course, they hook up, which, of course, leads to <laughs> which, lots of ew, gross moments from the kids. But, but it also is a it also is a testament to this day and age. Whereas in the original Ghostbusters, it was Dana and Rick Moranis's character, and Dana yeah. did not like Rick Moranis's character. She did not find him enticing in any way, shape, or form. And ultimately, they had to do what they something. Had to do. They they had to merge. <laughs> they had to merge, which is tantamount to yeah. Uh, and in this one. We have two people who are potential love interests that they get actually were that get out possessed. on a date earlier. Yep, they were out on a date, and then they they get possessed and they merge, which was a running joke. I've which... had worse deaths. I've had worse dates. <laughs> excuse me. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I've had worse dates than that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh... um, but there's a, there was a lot of jokes about that too. Like. 
jokes that I'm like, okay, I'm pretty sure Little Miss Mac and Mac Jr. Well, Mac Jr. will get it, but Little Miss Mac won't. But <laughs> well, I um, got it, and I was on my own, so we're good with that. Yeah. Oh, good for you. Look at you. Well, I told you <laughs> where my kid was. So yeah. So, but let let's talk about. All right, a couple items here. I found the scene with Callie being possessed by the ghost. This is this is after she discovers the secret lab and discovers that an Egon's ghost, we think, is quietly showing her around the lab with a lamp, using right. a lamp to, to guide her. And she gets to see that he's been following her life the entire time. There's a whole wall dedicated to her life. And she finally realizes, oh, no, he did love me. He must have been here for a reason. Right. And then. And but one of the first things she says when she walks into the house at the very beginning was like, aha, no pictures, of course. Yes, right? exactly. Because she's like, see, this guy did not give a shit. Right. Um, so yeah, good point. Thank you for pointing that out, because that is an yes. important callback. It is. Um, and 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 the only pictures of her were in the hidden basement underneath the shed or whatever it is yes and i found i found the devil dogs to be much scarier this round than, well, they than were, in the first movie well that's because they were the technology's better they were you know they could chase you could show all of their movements i mean for 1984 it wasn't bad no there was some very good practical effects and and the effects where they showed the the stop motion it was quick it, it was quick and purposeful, and that's it. It wasn't excessive. Right. Well, and, you know, all the love for the Ghostbusters, that, and it was loving, you know. The, uh, the fact that you have Ivan Reitman's son, Jason, who both wrote and directed, with input from Ivan, and Dan Aykroyd, who was one of the co-creators, was fully in support of it. So. Mm -hmm. You have the basically the full team minus Harold Ramis doing it, and it was a. I thought it was a well done movie. Now I've seen reviews where people thought it was schmaltzy and fan service heavy. I'm like, look, it's a sequel to a movie series. Right. The people who are gonna go, who really want to see it, are those of us who really wanted to see it again. Right. And I now, felt that it was a very well done. Do I think at times, well, you know, it's a two-hour run time, okay? I get it. Do I think there were some times that they could trim up a little here and there? Yeah. But I didn't think overall, I didn't think the pacing was too bad. I didn't find the kids to be overly annoying because sometimes they, that can happen where they just, well, let's just throw kids at you. No, each of the kids, Egon, grandkids, each one had a part to play. Okay. Yes, and you have the one who could have been annoying as hell, and, and they weren't. Well, I mean, the older kid was, but he was like a fifteen-year-old boy, and they can be kind of annoying at that age when they're uprooted. And, oh, oh my God! And the kid needed a haircut, you know. But that's just me. <laughs> I mean, but to think of it, you get kids who look like, yeah, they could be Harold Ramis's grandkids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, the the young girl. I can't uh, McKenna Grace who plays Phoebe. They she could have been, I mean, like a spitting image of Harold Ramis. You know, they did her hair the right way. She had the <laughs> same glasses. 
She she spoke roughly the same way, but it was natural. These kids are good actors. They were very good. They were very believable. You know, you have the small town kids. You have the kids who it's like, I just want to get out of here. And the ones who get stuck. And there's, you know, obviously. One of the. You know, the the girl Lucky, who uh, the, the son Trevor finds attractive, starts working at the burger joint because of her. And she's the police chief's son, Bokeem Woodbine, by the way. So, of mm-hmm. course, bringing in another dude who's got some serious, uh, you know, sci-fi and superhero. I wish we threat. saw more of him. Yeah. they. I wanted got, more of him. There, there was He was underutilized. It was a missed opportunity for him. Yeah, I agree. Um because he's usually pretty pretty good. Uh, I'll I'll say this. Here's something else. I mean, you get uncredited uh, J.K. Simmons, or well, you get like he was credited. Basically, I'm sorry, you're right. You just get a a cameo of J.K. Simmons playing Evo Shandor. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. <laughs> with you, I thought I found that part to be pretty hilarious. He's like getting into his whole evil plan thing, and then boom, he's gone. Like, <laughs> he's eliminated. <laughs> I would have liked to. I know a thing. All right, too. finish your See point. Finish your point, because I got a couple things that I want to say too. I thought it was. I thought it was really good. The I thought the casting was solid. I thought the pacing was decent. The music was great. They they used all, a lot of the old Ghostbusters music. They did, you know, and they also had some they, good, good old pop songs. Right. That I had never heard of, but they sounded awesome. great. They were toe tapping. Well, they sounded like something that I listened to when my driving with my dad when I was a kid. You know, some of these late fifties, <laughs> early sixties, <laughs> but yeah, but that, but you know, it's it's stuff I was familiar with, and I'll be honest with you, it was. Uh, you're right; it fit in well. I kind you kind of got. It the wasn't obscene. That, I kind of got the feeling that it, that was probably where Egon's taste in music stopped. <laughs> yeah, I, I I would agree with that. I would agree with that. So, um, so I I walked out of the theater smiling, which is always my my test, right? You know, if I'm walking out smiling, that means a good time was had by me. Um, yes. yes, yes. I so that being said, thoroughly enjoyable. I think that they they handled. There was a lot of fan service, but they handled it perfectly, in my opinion. And there's no war crime to have to uh, to having fan service in a film. It, it that was being effectively said, used. It was not bludgeoning you in the face. No. And uh, I I loved the style of the movie. I liked if you if you go to if you go back to 2016 Ghostbusters, you'll see that it's colorful, but it's like a flat world. Like yeah. you know, almost cartoonish, right? Like you don't see depth, it you don't see cartoonish. grit. Um, it, it just it's a weird color palette. Whereas this looks like you're really there. Like you're you got a handy cam and you're, but not a handy cam. It's a high quality camera. It's just it's just the kind of color palette they had and the quality of the film. It was a different style. The the the, well, the lighting was different. It was more realistic. Well, you know, you know, and aside from the fact that it was in a small in a small town as opposed to in New York City, you got the feeling that it was, you know, for the most part, you could buy that it was Ghostbusters three. 
Right. You know, it sat. It 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 was much more of a style that you saw in 1984 and 1988. Yeah. But but modern, so to speak. Yeah. Um, Because they had to have the prerequisite teens driving up to the mountain (laughs) in the back of pickup trucks kind of thing. Right. Which has been done for 80 years of of uh, filmmaking. So (laughs) Um, that being said, it's not a perfect movie. No, I personally felt that there were some pacing issues in the beginning half where. Yeah, it felt like it took too long for them to set up that they were finding all the Ghostbusters stuff. I I agree. Um, I think they could have cut a little bit of that out. That's where I where all of my cuts would have been in the first half of the movie. The back yeah. half of the movie, I thought, moved very well. It did. And I, but of course, I that's also where there was more action. S- I would have liked to see more Gozer. I would have liked to see Gozer talk, give some kind of exposition, explain, explain her plan, his or her plan. Um, I, I would have felt it would have felt to me like it would have been more fleshed out a little bit. Um, it, it was funny that Evo Shandor just was like, my queen, I have done this all. Rip. <laughs> um, like oh, but... J.K. Simmons. OK, so he'll have a little bit to say. Nope. My bad. <laughs> Which is one of the things I found funny is like, OK, you could have had some random schmuck, but you get an Oscar winner there who yeah. guy who's on commercials and movies, well-known face and voice. And it's like, oh, <laughs> that was good. I like that. Man. Yeah, it was. And, I, well and I'm, I'm sure that was part of the joke and everything. And that's that's fine. Like I all those that cameos it, that showed up in how and a million ways to die in the West. Yes. Like, how yes. many of them just showed up to get killed? Right. <laughs> exactly. So. so that being said, I, I if we weren't going to get exposition from Gozer, maybe we could have gotten a little bit from Evo Shandor. Maybe there would have been some scenes that we could have like seen him <laughs> fighting them with or somehow. I, you know, I'm just maybe. spitballing here. Yeah. yeah. The I ending. Guess. Which I wasn't sure if they were really going to do or not, but they did. Um, we got to see, spoiler alert, we got to see Egon. Which you Egon can tell was, was uh, aged up digital 1980s Harold Ramis. Not Harold Ramis from, you know, the early 2000s. <laughs> no, not from Orange County. <laughs> right. So, but... I thought it was beautifully done. I'm glad they didn't go with trying to splice in some words or anything like that. I'm glad like they that. didn't have him talk. There was no need to have him talk, and it was best that he didn't. It was everything was done with just nods. And nods and actions. The nods, you know, the looks between him and his old partners, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it how it's like, <laughs> Winston recognizes him, and then he like elbows Peter. <laughs> he recognizes him. And he elbows Ray. And like, oh, okay. And Peter, P- Peter goes, "I thought you'd show up." <laughs> of course, they had to let Bill be the, you know, the straight up smart ass. Right. I gotta say, you know, when you rewatch the original Ghostbusters, I know that in the first movie it was supposed to be Eddie Murphy 
was supposed to be Winston, but it was going to be too much money. And Winston was supposed to have a much more in-depth background. Like he was supposed to be like an ex-soldier and stuff like that. And yes, obviously Ernie Hudson did not get nearly as much to do or say as the others. He got a little bit more in the second movie because he was there from the beginning, but yep. for the most part, he wasn't like he, he wasn't dumb enough to get caught digging underground. So he didn't get into the trial. So, I mean, you could tell the main three, it's, it's Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold, Harold Ramis. Right. So, mm-hmm. but I always felt, I always liked Winston's character. I will see, I've seen shit that will turn you white. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, and I I, based off of the these end credit scene, I hope that that shows that maybe like if they're going to do a Ghostbusters four, maybe Winston creates a new team. And that's possible. Uh, I, 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 I did. I did wish that they showed us a little bit more direction on where they were hinting at going. Um. Because what happened so, to the kids? I mean, did they move to New York City? Well, that's the question, right? I mean, Winston hope, Winston right? sees Ecto-1. Ecto he goes, oh, girl, what did they do to you? I'll bring oh. you home. And we see him bring, you know, Ecto-1 home to New York. And what I did like about this uh, is that all of the old, the, the big three, the original big three, mm-hmm. got a scene of their own. So yes. we got... We got a scene with with Ray talking to Phoebe in his occult bookstore. Um, he's about the exposition. He's the exposition of what Egon was doing and and you know what happened in the ensuing years. Um, and then at the end, <laughs> we get a nice little scene with uh, with Peter uh, Bankman with with Dana, yeah. And which was that was cute, and she was buzzing him, you know, shocking him with the the psychic cards, which is and... basically payback for him being a creep for forty years, right? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. But that was fun. That was fun to see. And let's it let's was. talk about let's talk about the fact that Sigourney Weaver looks almost like she did back then in comparison to <laughs> she's taking good care of herself. You can tell she that is... there's no like discernible major work done no so and bill murray looks like a haggard old man (laughs) you know bill murray was at the west point umass football game this weekend all of my west pointer friends uh posted a lot of pictures because he stopped and he took pictures with the cadets he found a cadet whose last name was murray and he was walking around with her hat on because the names are on the back with her hat on backwards (laughs) And there was pictures of him with the the commandant of the, the school and everything. Nice. I guess he lives in the, uh, you know, on the Hudson North of New York City. So I guess he's gone to a couple of games before. You know, he's a huge sports fan. So, yeah. but that was just yeah. random. He starts popping up all over my Facebook feed yesterday. I'm like, <laughs> is he at West Point? <laughs> okay. I mean, we went to a game when we were stationed in New York. We went to a West Point football game and we ran into Geraldo, who was oh, there. Geez. <laughs> yeah, that was random. So, uh, uh, Miss uh, Mrs. Cavman ended up taking a picture with uh, with Geraldo. So <laughs> that's fun. That was fun. Got to um, uh, times. But um, <laughs> uh, overall, 
I thought it was good. And you're right, Winston gets a nice one at the end, you know. Gets a you find wonderful out that, scene for himself. Right. Because, like, you just, know, Winston, like I said, is kind of the the fourth wheel, right? You know, because mm-hmm. he's just, they're brought in. He's got no background in any of this. He's just working <laughs> for a paycheck. And they mentioned that he goes on to become a huge business, a very successful businessman with a international corporation. And, you know, you see him at the end talking with Janine. Janine, who was also apparently the only person really in contact with Econ, mm-hmm. who kind of helped manage his estate, even though there was no money or an all ton of debt. <laughs> yeah. But we all yeah. knew she had a huge crush on Egon in the first movie anyway, which is why they show that clip of them with the coin from which the was original Ghost. Cute. I mean, that was obviously a deleted scene. Right. From the first it was a movie. deleted scene, and it allows you to have both of them get a little bit of a scene there, uh, but you get a little bit of of Egon. But then he's talking with, you know, Winston's kind of explaining everything to to Janine. And she kind of hints, well, aren't you still paying for the rent on Ray's bookstore and helping here, helping there? And it's pretty. And then it kind of you kind of wonder when Ray mentions that they some bigwig bought up all of Tribeca and they lost the firehouse. Kind of makes you think that, all right, I guess Winston was the bigwig who bought everything up. Yeah, yeah. Because at the very end, they see, you see, and now, now folks, you know, they do a very beautiful ending of the movie where really it's the kids, the Ghostbusters arrive to help. The, ori- the, the three remaining original Ghostbusters arrive in time to help uh, Egon's daughter, his grandkids, and their two friends mm-hmm. stop Gozer on the property. They manage to get the trap working when the grandson realizes that he can use his proton pack to zap the battery, which is what failed on Egon in the first place, mm-hmm. which led to him getting killed. So they power charge it. The Ghostbusters themselves are getting their ass kicked. <laughs> They're able to free their mom from one of the devil dogs, but they're, you know, uh, lucky the girl gets captured and becomes the new devil dog. I know, it's, cr- it's creeped me out, man. I, well, I'm glad they just went with, okay, now it's, you know, here's here's Gozer back, rather than getting into any sort of weirdness. Right, going on. yeah. But, and of course, then, at the very end, when they win, and they're able to turn on the massive amount of traps, it was a minefield of, of ghost traps, which was pretty awesome. And they trap Gozer and the devil dog spirits and everything, and then they gotta break out the teacher and the girl from there, <laughs> yeah. like in the original movie. And of course, oh, poor podcast is getting attacked by hundreds of little state puff marshmallow <laughs> men. Yeah. And then he he starts zapping them with some sort of taser, and he comes out covered with marshmallow, like the Ghostbusters were at the end of you yeah. know go the first a, when they blew up. So there were some nice homages, call. right? And they end it with, you know, the spirit of Egon kind of basically making his peace with his friends and then giving, you know, some much needed closure Closure. with his daughter where he hugs her and she gets to kind of have a moment with him and he finally fades and they follow the, yep, and then. It cuts to just a little line that says for Harold before they go into the credits 
which has the original Ray Parker Jr. Yep. Rip off of I Want a New Drug by Huey Lewis in the News. <laughs> Ghostbusters theme. Great. Yep. Great. You know, it felt good. You hear that and it's like, oh, I needed it. I yeah, needed it. I wouldn't you, have been able to need that. without it, right? And it wasn't hearing a shitty the version. Pack, like the one at the end. Like the one. Like well, all of that. Hearing right, all those old everything. things. You know, even before the first time they used the proton pack, I I literally, having not seen either of the movies in probably five or six years, heard the sound in my head of what a proton <laughs> pack sounds like charging up. And oh, then without seeing the the Ecto-1, hearing the, the lights go off, even when he was just driving it the first time without the lights on, I could hear the siren because it was so entrenched in my childhood mm-hmm. memories. Yep. <laughs> And again, it didn't go back to see the 30th anniversary in the theater to get refreshed <laughs> about seven years ago. Yeah. <laughs> it was so awesome. I, I'll end with this. I would be perfectly happy if they don't do another sequel. Agreed. I would be completely happy if they don't. I feel that this this was a good ending point. That being said... If this is the direction they want to go and they're willing to make another one with the similar vein, I will be there for it, too. And this movie does not deserve a 61% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is Agreed. at least a good 75%. I think this thing's at least an 80. And to be honest with you, I think the people who are giving it low scores are people who probably weren't lifelong fans. No, because they were not. And... and Every, That's a whole other issue for a whole other day. Every quote I've seen from people who have seen the movie online or anything, like actual people, not, not you know, credit, you know, not uh, not critics or whatnot, loved it. Most of them said I had a tear in my eye at the end, and I would be lying if I said I didn't feel a little welling of emotion because I thought mm-hmm. it was such a well done ending. It was beautiful. They didn't overdo it. You know, you you have you get like one wise crack from. From Peter Venkman, and that's it. Right? That's it. <laughs> yeah. All the adults go inside to have some hot chocolate or something like that. That's <laughs> yeah. about it. That's good. We're gonna go inside and have some hot chocolate and <laughs> that's good. <laughs> but but then you get the closing with the ghost of, of Egon going away. And that was and I know when I did some reading afterwards, I know they got permission from Harold Ramis's family to do that, which I think is awesome because I really think that added to it. Could they have done it without him? Sure. Could there just mm-hmm. have been a little bit of a a feeling or like something showing up on an Etch-A-Sketch or something randomly because you know how, you know, the original Ghostbusters worked or something, you know, but or them finding a long lost, you know, note from Egon or something. But yeah, I thought it ended well. I thought it was a good movie. I'm giving it at least an 85 percent for me. <laughs> you want right, to write it was a little 85. bit of Yeah. You know what? And I, I and I'll take the nostalgia with it, um, but it made me feel good, and it it felt like a proper continuation of the story. Didn't mm-hmm. feel like a total rehash, even though they were fighting some similar villains. But it didn't feel like a total rehash. No, and it had heart. There was well, there was and, there was a humanity in it. Right, but kind of it's kind of like when you go back and you find out, oh, this is where it all came from, and so. It won't stop unless you 
stop it here. Right. You know, things will keep popping up. That's that's what I liked. I thought that added something to it. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Well. And what, what's your rating before we wrap up? Oh, like I said, uh, at least a 75%. Uh, uh, yeah, seventy-five to eighty. I, I uh, but I don't like the I don't like the equation going to the letter scores. I, I would gotcha. say uh, seventy-five to eighty percent Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, B plus, A minus on the letter scale. I know. <laughs> I, I am. I'm a walking gotcha. contradiction. I got. So, <laughs> uh, gotcha. On that note, thank you guys. Uh, I think this will be the ultimate ending that we're going to have to cut out on. DT, anything else you want to just throw out there before we leave? No, I think this is a good place (laughs) to start. Uh, Obviously, we know that coming up is Thanksgiving, so bear with us as we probably uh, only put one out this week as opposed to the regular two. So, In the meantime, the audience is like, wait, they do two a week? Yes, audience, we're trying for two a week. And yes, I still have to edit them and put them out. There's a post-production process, too. That being said, that's the ultimate ending. Until next time, you guys keep dreaming. We'll keep working. So long, folks. I'll see you on the high ground. Take it easy. Those Sci-Fi Guys is an independent broadcast by Alpha Site Productions, produced by DT Cavman and PS McKay. Music courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. For more information on upcoming episodes, follow PS McKay on Twitter at PS McKay, or go to thosescifiguys.com for past episode information. <laughs>